Welcome to the PrivateSignings.org podcast. Hi, Katie. Um, it's fantastic that you're joining us today. Um, and, you know, and you're doing the, the private signing. And it's really just to let people know what more you've done in the films and what else, your stories and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I'm just going to dive straight in and ask you, describe your path to Star Wars. Yeah, hi, Kit. Great question. Yeah. Um, so I started off as a circus performer and I was working with Aircraft Circus and the director um, at the time said to me, oh, Katie, you know, you do stilt walking, don't you? I was like, no, actually, I don't. I can learn. And he said, there's a, you know, an audition for a movie. And I couldn't know what movie it was. So I had two weeks till the audition and I quickly learned how to stilt walk on peg stilts. They're really quite difficult because they're just like two poles, really, very high up. Um, yes, but every night practicing in my local hall and then turned up at Pinewood Studios um, with the director of Aircraft Circus. And I was the only one there, actually. There was no other, there wasn't like a big audition with lots of stilt walkers. It was just me and the director of this um, circus. And Neil Scanlan was there. Um, and quite a few other people from the creatures department watching um, what we were doing on the stilts and moving. And we did some duo work, sort of holding onto each other's waists and moving forwards and backwards. Paul Casey did some work with me. Um, and we were doing pirouettes, um, lunging with the stilts. He obviously passed me with flying colours because they kept inviting me back. And I didn't, still didn't know what film it was until about the third time that I'd been there. And they finally told me actually it was Star Wars. And I was like, wow. So it was very overwhelming realising that it was such a big movie. And I never knew whether I'd be back again because they'd just say, OK, thank you very much for today. And I'd just be waiting for the next call. Um, so it was a real surprise when then the next call came in and then suddenly they were putting costumes on the stilts building um, kind of a big character around me, which ended up being Hurid 327, or Big Red, as we called him. So he ended up being a really big um, droid, really, or load lifter, um, really heavy, um, very difficult to operate. So it was a real test um, for me, test of endurance. And that was how I got in. Wow. Uh, and the Big Red um, gave people, and that was the, one of the first kind of droids and first sort of introduction to the new Star Wars films, because I think that was the only thing you really kind of remember seeing on the first trailers. Um, so that was definitely quite a kind of a big... I know, thing. how lucky was that? The yeah. trailer came out and there was Big Red, like full screen, and what a shot as well, because he actually got to walk past the three leads, Harrison Ford, Ray, and Finn, oh, and BB-8 as well. Um, as they were going into Mazza's castle and I just couldn't believe the shot he just looked absolutely glorious and funnily enough most people thought that he was CGI and that it wasn't oh, really? real but actually every single thing um, was totally real wow. all the, uh, the costume the fabrication actually was being walked they did put me on a line just wow. so I didn't fall on Harrison Ford not that I was going to fall over <laughs> wow. in fact yeah in that shot I remember it so well I mean um I know I certainly forgot that the leads were even in there because you're like your attention straight away goes to this incredible looking thing, and I, I think I thought it was CG when I first saw it, just because of the movement and everything. And then and then you go over to the the castle, and then I sort of thought, oh yeah, look, and there is Harrison Ford in that picture. 
And, uh... Oh no, what an incredible shot. Um, it was lovely shooting it, because um, obviously I just walked, you know, from A to B and then walked back to reset A to B. The whole um, shooting time for that was about one hour and 15 minutes. Um, and this was after months of training and even him being taken out to Abu Dhabi as well, because he was going to be shot out there and it never happened. So we then ended up with Big Red flew all the way across the world and back again to Pinewood Studios where he finally got his shot. And it was like this massive moment because he so nearly got put on so many times in the desert. It didn't quite happen. It was because of the time really it took to get into um, Big Red. It was quite a long time and out there in the desert JJ wanted things being put into shot quite quickly so the power droids um, kind of won a lot of the time because it was like five minutes power droid on into shot whereas Big Red needed about 30 minutes preparation time um, but yeah when I was walking him he was really creaking so it was like ah, 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 ah. And literally someone said, oh, you've really got to put some oil on that because it's actually covering over the leads. <laughs> oh, God, that's hilarious. Well, that kind of into um, my next question, into our next question, um, which was to describe a notable experience, but on any of the films. Um, so, I mean, you've mentioned a couple there already. Are there any others? I mean, you must have some yeah yeah I did have a little look at your questions you know beforehand and I was thinking about this one and really the most notable experience across all three films is the experience of being inside a costume having to cope with limited vision um very limited air and being pushed to my maximum um in all three characters you know be it big red the caretaker or Rio um, and not only that but being pushed to that level of endurance also in amazing locations in other countries so like in deep desert deep heat mm. and then you know on the wild west coast of ireland you know on a cliff um and then up the top of a snowy mountain in the freezing cold but sweating buckets and not being able to see and then with these amazing stars around me um that that level of mental and physical you know endurance was so extreme and um, beating that, conquering that was was my nemesis. I loved it. Wow. So it was a similar sort of, um, you, you were experiencing the similar sort of stuff throughout. Did it ever get easier as the films progressed? Because, you know, we're talking a few years, right, of work here. Did it get easier at any point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got easier. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely got easier because I knew what to expect. And then I then I began to understand that sweat was my friend. Whereas before, if I started sweating a lot, I'd get a little bit worried. Am I losing too much water? Um, am I going to dehydrate? Um, and then I started to realise, no, actually, if I'm sweating buckets, my body is working for me. It's doing what it should be doing. So I started going, oh, yeah, there's the sweat. Brilliant. This is going to keep me nice and cool. And then I realised if I started to really act within the suit, the kind of the claustrophobia would disappear. So I get into character and my head start going through, even if I didn't have any script, with Rio, I was lucky enough to have lots of script to work with. So it was much easier to, to be in that character. But with Big Red um, and with The Caretaker, I had to sort of make up scripts in my head to sort of keep me going while I had all that um, sort of limited air and vision and stuff. Yeah, so I learned those strategies and I did a lot of mindfulness um, in the suit as well, deep breathing, 
Um, and I used to do actually meditation on the way in as, a, as I was driving, not with my eyes closed, obviously driving to work, <laughs> but actually just to prepare me for the day because I knew what was coming. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting in terms of process where you're, yeah, you're inside the suit, so you're inside your own head, you're creating these narratives where you need to, um, that's fascinating actually. That is really fascinating. Um, can we talk a little bit about Rio? Um, something perhaps fans may not fully be aware of is that you were actually in a physical costume. So it wasn't mocap, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Can you just talk us through that process of uh, realizing Rio? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no, it was a total physical costume through and through. There were some, um, you know, fluorescent dots placed on the head um, because, you know, obviously the mouth and the eyes weren't moving. So they did need to be CGI'd in the movie to make his, his, his face become animated. Um, but I was wearing the head. I was lucky enough with Rio that eventually they cut out the eyes um, so I could see. Um, so that was, that was a real godsend. Um, but that was the only bit really that wasn't there was the eyes for me. Um, the costume was very restricting as they always are. But to be fair, out of the three, my three main characters I did, Big Red, Caretaker and Rio, Rio was the easiest to move around with. I was standing on the floor. I was wearing his feet and legs, but I could still feel the floor. Whereas, um, you know, the other characters, I, I couldn't really. Um, yeah, so I was lucky. And I did have a lot of limited movement in terms of my shoulders. Um, I had to swing from one seat to another in the hauler um, when Rio's flying. Um, and actually just getting up onto the chair and reaching up for the swing was really, really difficult because I couldn't um, lift my arm up very high. Um, so doing stunt work um, was very hard work, yeah. Just lifting up a knee was difficult um, and he had to look really dynamic. So I had to do lots of training um, to move around in that suit. But the suit was amazing. It was, it was a, bit, a bit like a rave costume, to be honest with you, because um, it had all these lovely robotic kind of shapes around the legs and you know, silver bits, buckle here, belt here, light here. Yeah. Um, I loved it. It was really cool, so well made. I would have loved to take it home. Gosh, yeah, it's, it's interesting you, you talked about the moon because, you know, you, you were saying about how uh, how restrictive it was. And then I was, I was sat there thinking, but he, he swings around. So like some of that sort of circus element, your ability to sort of um, swing, move around like that, you know, that, that must have played a part in it. But so it turns out, even though the suit was incredibly restrictive, you were still doing that physical movement. You were still moving around uh in in the ship that that is that's incredible i wish there was behind the scenes stuff for that yeah no it was, it was amazing being able to have that opportunity to do that as well because i absolutely love swinging around in the air it's what i've been doing with my own circus business for years um when i went into practice rio before the suit was fully made you know i had my body was just free and i was swinging around on this scaffold frame that was made to the dimensions of the hauler. And it was it was amazing coming out all these big swings and from feet to hand to feet and reaching for buttons with your toes and upside down reaching for a button over there. And then how do you go from one seat to the other and trying to work out all these things. Then actually, you know, coming into the hauler when it was fully made and seeing the restrictions of the space and then with the restrictions of the seat, okay, now what can I do? But actually having gone from that, 
that um, place of freedom to more restriction, I'd already quite got quite a big sense of um, who Rio was as a character um, and his dynamic um, way. So it was about bringing that out as much as possible. I, I just wanted to... Oh, sorry, I just wanted to follow up just one last thing. So when they were uh, designing the suit, obviously it's designed to fit you, right? So when you were going in early for the rehearsals and everything, were they, whoever was watching you, they must have had in mind that this suit is going to restrict this movement, right? They must have well, well, yeah, that's a really good question, isn't it? Well, Morna McPherson, um, she's probably quite well known. Um, she was kind of my right-hand man, well, right-hand woman, if you like. And she fabricated quite a lot of the underlayers um, for Rio. And she helped me in and out of the costume. And she was a really big voice um, of reason and sort of backing me up and fighting <laughs> for more movement in the suit for me on my behalf. Because she knew she had seen me rehearse a lot. You know, if other people popped in, they didn't really know the full extent. Whereas Mourna she really, really understood. So she would battle to get um, certain maneuverability here and there for me, but she could only do so much because, you know, all the different departments are working together to create this image of what Rio needs to be like. And plus I've got to work with them too. Um, so as much as I want total, you know, flexibility and movement, I've got to understand that only so much can be done. And like, right, this is what I've got to work with. What can I do with that? Yeah. I just wanted to ask really about your your circus background and and your training and stuff and how it helped with all your characters really and how it you know because it seems like part of these characters is what you bring to it you know and and, and make that character because of the training and stuff you've had yeah i just i think that absolutely the physical training obviously really helped because i know how to warm up to stretch and to train my body um, and I'm used to enduring, you know, hours of training and fitness levels. So that's all cool. Like the strength stuff is, is absolutely no problem at all. I think the kind of, um, there's a bit of a spiritual aspect as well. I have to be honest, because my whole circus journey has been this amazing thing where I dreamed of being in a circus and I made it sort of shooting style one day when I was dreaming of making it. And actually the day before I went into, um, the first audition um, on the stilts for Big Red. You know, I looked up at the sky, saw a shooting star. Right. This is for Star Wars. And I'm saying shooting stars, you know, and I just, it just meant a lot to me spiritually. Um, and it, that's how it felt. It felt like a bit of a spiritual journey, the whole thing. So it kind of wrapped into circus in that aspect um, because I thought, well, this is so amazing. There's much more going on here than just, I've just had a stroke of luck. This is a life journey that I have been lucky enough to be a part of, and I've played some role in it, but so have a lot of other things, you know, synchronicities, and I just felt very blessed, and I still do. Uh, Katie, so did you play any other characters on any of the films? And we know the three individuals, but did you play any other characters as well? Yeah, that's a really good question, Kit, thanks. Um, yeah, on Force Awakens, I actually played a um, power droid um it was absolutely amazing it was a big dustbin so nothing very glamorous and no it actually was a dustbin Ivan um I can't remember Ivan's surname but he made it very quickly and crudely so I was told although it looked amazing to me um and it went on set so many times honestly it was one of the most used um droids out in the desert um and my first experience a few people had a go in it 
um, Brian Herring had a go in it. I can't remember who else, but then I went in and I ended up being the person with the most goes. Unfortunately, he wasn't officially named, um, so he's not in any one of the books. Um, but I have drawn a picture of him in my scrapbook that I've made. Nice. Um, nice. So maybe I can share that with you. Um, but my first experience in Dustbin Droid was, um, it was part of the scene where Ray and Finn, yeah, the, the stormtroopers are coming in to like, to get them and get BB-8. Um, <laughs> out of uh yeah jacku that that bit and there was a bit of a battle going on and they're yep. shooting and explosions going off so i was in dustbin droid with with explosions right next to me and i was like oh my gosh what's going on it felt so real and i kind of scuttling away you know getting out the way and and then neil said to me you know katie really got to get more in shot you know that was my first kind of experience being shot in anything in star wars and I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, you've really got to fight to get in the camera if you're in a creature because, you know, the director wants all this stuff but doesn't necessarily put the creatures in the foreground. So then the next time I went in the dustbin droid, I, you know, they said, okay, walk from here to there. And I was looking at the camera thinking, that's not really going to be a very good shot. So when they actually shot it, I made sure I was walking into the camera instead and sort of going round. <laughs> and Neil was very pleased with that. And, um, yeah, I think you have to fight for that for that moment on screen and give the creatures their due. Yeah, because they deserve it. So that was um, yeah one of the characters I did um, that I sort of wasn't credited for, I guess, and um, with a really really big experience for me. Um, yeah, and then in um, Solo, I was going to do a character a little bit like Big Red, uh, another version. But the um, the shooting times of the two characters were crossing over too much. So somebody else did him, and you'll see him. It's another version of Big Red, a white version. Yeah, a little family. Yeah, and I think yeah. he is in. I think it's in the Visual Dictionary or one of the art books. I'm sure. I've yeah, seen I think that. so. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I've seen it there too. Very cool. What about the um, like? Can you talk about Skellig? So you you sort of touched on it a bit in Last Jedi. You were physically there on Skellig Michael as a kid. Well, yeah, I mean, I was on a location on the West, um, in West Island. There were quite a few locations up the West Coast and, and in the North of Ireland. So uh, presumably all the same island, but, you know, actually physically we, we were in different locations in Ireland. Oh, right. um, so yeah, they, they were all fairly similar. Um, the one I was on, I can't remember the exact name, but it is in one of my other scrapbooks, which I can show you, because um, I've kept so many lovely memories of those times. And actually, there's a really great page of exactly where those locations were and where people were staying and how you get from A to B. So it's quite a treasure trove, actually. But it was you, you, you walked up a peak of a, of a hill up to the cliff and they'd literally built all the lovely like beehive um, places where the caretakers lived. Can't remember what they're called now off the top of my head. Um, and you enter the scene, you couldn't see the, um, the set, you know, from the field. You could see it from the sea. And they had a navy boat or a massive boat, literally circling around to stop paparazzi from entering the water to take shots of the set. Because it could be viewed from the sea and it was just, the effort they'd gone in to keep it all secret was was incredible and you could only have a hundred people at a time on that set because it was built on a cliff peak that it was pointy and they'd managed to in this stone point cliff build a set with all the scaffolding and looking so real 
and oh my gosh and yeah being in the caretaker on that set suddenly you know the head's on you can't see anything i've got mark jones on a remote control in control of my air supply opening closing my mouth and um he kept closing my mouth loads. Like I've got a real gripe to pick with him, actually. <laughs> it's like my life's in your hands, Mark. Come on, stop close. Or if I'm walking up these steps on the edge of a cliff and the mouth is closed, how am I going to see and not fall over? Thank you. Um, so that was great teamwork. Yeah, but that, that, that again, another level of endurance where you're not only in a costume fighting, you know, sweating buckets, but also walking next to a cliff. Mm. Yeah, that's oh, good. Yeah. I know, I know, it's absolutely insane. Beautiful. Ryan Johnson was directing that, and he was, oh, he was such a lovely director to work with. He was so positive and um, really calm and really sweet. Never raised his voice. Wanted everybody to have their moment as well. He really was very generous with wanting everyone to have their their due and their time, and I I, I really respected that. Yeah, because I was trying to inch you know, the caretaker's face into one particular shot because I could see it was only just about, and he was like, yeah, yeah, she needs to get in. Maybe move her up the stairs a bit. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, we need to see her beautiful face. That's what, that's what he said. Obviously, it wasn't my face. It was a beautiful caretaker's face. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. We're so happy that you're doing this with us. And um, one of the greatest things that we're doing is you know we, we wanted to make sure that there's something in it in terms of charity and stuff so we're happy to support your charity on your signing um so tell us who the charity is and um yeah all the information yeah yeah so i really had to think quite quite long and hard about what charity to donate a percentage of signings to um and because it's really important um and i decided to go with extinction rebellion um yeah, because they're doing such great work raising awareness um, about climate change and the destruction of the planet, which is hugely, hugely important to me. Um, so, yeah, and I think particularly as we've had this coronavirus epidemic recently, um, I do think maybe people have forgotten that, you know, our planet is really in great peril at the moment. Yeah. Um, and what other things come our way, ultimately, that is the biggest threat. Um, well, all life on earth is facing is is the climate and the destruction of, of nature so um, extinction rebellion although they don't um please everybody and although they rock the boat politically a little bit and people don't always agree with the way that they go around things there's no doubt that the movement has certainly raised awareness and forced people to think um, and is pushing it up to the sort of political agenda and for that reason i think i'm going to back them and be brave with that that's fantastic no, brilliant that's great excellent thank you so much katie thank you for joining us you're welcome thank you so much lovely to see you again